0: Wow, tonight, a big night. We've had uh, the trifecta, we've had a baptism, uh, we've had communion, and we've got meatball subs. How good's that? That was just a ploy to wake you up since, and it worked, actually. Thank you, Ty, for that one. Um, well, yeah, as Ty said, we are starting a new series uh, on prayer, uh, which, which is actually something that uh, is probably quite core to everyone's experience. It just seems to happen naturally. If you're you're in a tight spot or things are not going well, uh, even people who would say in the the best of times that they don't uh, believe in God find themselves praying to something or someone that they don't necessarily know. It's interesting that we would find ourselves doing that and perhaps here would even say that prayer is very important. I hope we would say that. Um, and yet still feel like it's, it's a bit of a mystery. It's hard to really understand what prayer is or, or how it works. Uh, so it's good to be able to come together and to, to actually open ourselves up. This is, this is less of a, um, like a teaching method uh, of what prayer is and how to do it, and more of, of an opening up our hearts to who God is and allowing Him to lead and guide us. So I pray that that's what we would be doing. Uh, there's a, um, a beautiful quote, actually, from a guy called William Law that I think just highlights what we stand to miss if we, um, if we don't enter into all that God has for us in prayer. It's a bit, old, it's a bit of old English, uh, but bear with me. This is what he says. We starve in the midst of plenty, grown under infirmities, with the remedy in our own hand, live and die without knowing and feeling anything of the one only good, whilst we have it in our power to know and enjoy it in as great a reality as we know and feel the power of this world over us. For heaven is as near to our souls as this world is to our bodies, and we are created, we are redeemed to have our conversation in it, God, the holy, the only good of all intelligent natures is not an absent or distant God, but is more present in and to our souls than our own bodies. And we are strangers to heaven and without God in the world for this only reason, because we are void of that spirit of prayer, which alone can and never fails to unite us with the one only good and to open heaven and the kingdom of God within us. It's a big statement that it would be such a close thing, such an available thing to us and yet we would be on the outside or, or not knowing that this is available to us. It's quite um, ironic in a sense, the, the title for week one of this series is um, uncomplicating prayer. And then the tagline is, to the father through the son. And that might be um, complicated already for you. Uh, the, I was, we were running a course here a few years ago and there was a video around this topic, around prayer and how our prayer is to the father through the son. And a lady came up to me afterwards and said, who, I don't even know what I'm doing now. I, like, I've been praying to Jesus this whole time. Now you're telling me I'm meant to be praying to the Father. Uh, I don't really even know who the Father is, and that's really vague to me. Uh, so thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, she didn't say it that way, but I sort of got the feel that th- there was just confusion there and, you know, I had, had a bit of a conversation, but it really did highlight that, uh, there's something that should be so simple that Jesus, in fact, is always on about, a relationship with his Father, and yet somehow um, we can get a little bit um, sidetracked, I guess. Sidetracked. Not, not in that we, we diminish who the Son is or who Jesus is, but in that we don't realize what exactly The good news is how it's to be opened up in us. We might get a bit confused as soon as we start talking about the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Um, Who am I praying to? How am I praying? What's my connection to God? I, um, growing up, I had a great um, picture for me of what sometimes our relationship with God can be like. I had a a friend uh, whose dad was quite well off and, and consequently my friend was quite well off. And I used to love it because if we ever had a joint desire, like if I ever came to him and it was like, man, how good is that new console? He would be like, yeah. And then I'd go, do you reckon you could get it? And he'd be like, yeah, I, I actually think I could. And then he'd like go and ask his dad. And then the next week, we'd be literally playing video games for hours. And I was like, this is a really good friend to have. Like having a friend who has a powerful and rich father is, is great, actually. Uh, the interesting thing is that I never really had much of a relationship with his father. He was a bit sort of distant and I'd, I didn't really know much about him. But sometimes we can actually come to the father as if he's, he, the Father, we, we sort of understand, is the one with all all the power and all the love and, and and everything resides in him. And Jesus is the guy we know. He's a good friend. And he can sort of, you know, milk, milk the Father for all he's worth. We don't actually say that and we probably don't think that. But there remains this sense that, yes, I, I know what a relationship with Jesus is like, but 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 who, what's this father business? Who, like, who is he? What is he? What does that even mean for me to be in relation to him? So Jesus actually is speaking to his disciples. We're going to look at a passage here in John 16 where he's about to go to the cross and he, and he talks a bit around this. And I think it helps set up a real great context for us to talk about what, we're being invited into, what Jesus, what Jesus' whole desire and mission was uh, on this earth. And this is what he says to his disciples. He's just about to go to the cross. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. I might just stop there. It's actually so interesting that he would say, until now, you have asked for anything in my name. Because we, we actually see through the stories of, of, of the disciples as they journey with Jesus that they're always asking him for things. They're constantly asking questions, asking uh, for, for things to be taught, to be revealed, to be done. And yet he says here, Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Can you catch a bit of what Jesus is saying there? He, he's, he's actually this, this particular line where he says, I'm not saying to you. He says, you know, you, you'll ask In my name, but I'm not saying to you, I will ask the Father on your behalf. And yet you will be asking in my name. See, the interesting thing about prayer is that it has more to do with relationship, more to do with a relation, a father and son relationship, than it has to do with um, actually just asking. It's out of the father and son relationship that things are asked. Sometimes we think of prayer a a bit in the way that um, I saw my friend uh, or or even without that connection point, uh, as as if when we need something and, and we have a sense that there's someone who is greater and who has power to maybe help us, Though we don't have a relation, we still feel that we should ask anyway and maybe that person out of their own goodness will help us out. But there's no sense of of there being a, a, a relation, a connection there. Jesus is saying that true prayer, powerful prayer, prayer that works, presupposes a relation. And that relation is the relation of a father and a child. What we'll see is that before prayer is an action, a doing of something, an asking for something, it's a nature, there's a nature behind it. The Bible will say the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The thing that's asked for is received, the prayer of faith. The prayer of the saints. Jesus, in fact, is highlighting something that encompasses all these things, and it's the prayer of the child. The prayer of children. Prayer is based on a relation between God the Father and His child. We can see why when the disciples are looking at Jesus and they're seeing this relation, this as if heaven is open. In fact, Jesus describes it as that: heaven open, and angels descending on the Son of Man. They see him walking around just, just as a human being, and yet all of heaven is open to him. He he asks. And he receives, he lives in this world with a complete access and freedom with his father. And it's interesting what the disciples ask. They see that and they think there's a mechanism involved. They think there's a way to ask. And if you just find out the right way to ask, then everything will be unlocked and you'll be able to receive the very things that you need and that you want. And so they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us. Teach us how to pray. And it's so fascinating because what he says is this. The first line in Matthew 6, he says this, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Perhaps that's missed on us. Perhaps... We, we don't realize that. What he's saying is that there, there has to be a presupposition in prayer, that there's a, there's a relation there. It's to a father. And, and as you see the son, as you see Jesus, he is the revelation to us of what the child is. In fact, Jesus will say again in Matthew 7, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And straight after that, he says, which of you fathers, if your child asks, the asking, the the knocking, the receiving, the, the, um, the seeking is presupposing the relation of a father and a child. We see what the child is in Jesus. Jesus reveals what it is to be a son of God. The revelation of the son is the revelation of the father. Colossians 1:15 says this, "The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation." This is a bit Different to what we would normally think of as a father-son relationship, and this really has to get clarified because when when we say Jesus is the Son of God, the relation of father and son means something. When we think of a father and a child, or a parent and a child, um, the the relationship is a little bit different because a a parent, though they love the child and would want the best for the child, humanly speaking, The child has, you know, every opportunity to form their own independent um, identity. And in fact, humanly speaking, a child can look completely different from their parent, can in fact be against their parent, can, can, can hate their parent. Not so with the father and son relationship that we're talking about here. The son is the image of the invisible God. If you can think of, humanly speaking, let's think of a, a child in their relationship with their parent. The less a child is like their parent, the less their desires are like their parent, the things that they want are different to what their parent wants, the less confidence that child will have when they ask their parent for anything. Because their desires and the things that they want are at odds with the parent. Not so with Jesus. The son of God is the image of his father. And so whatever he desires, whatever he asks for, is given. Jesus would even talk about this relationship when he says about prayer in Mark 6. He says, "Um, when you pray, he's talking about this relation, right? When you pray, believe that you have received it and it will be done for you, right? Right? There's a confidence there, a presupposition that even in the, in the very asking, the thing that is being asked for is already given. It's an incredible relationship that Jesus is revealing. For Jesus in that sense to, to say to um, pray to the Father, through the Son, is really just to say, to pray to the Father as a son. And that's, that's great. I mean, we, we see that. We, we read about that. We have a sense that, yes, Jesus, all of heaven is open to him. Nothing is restricted. Everything that he asks for, he receives but what does that mean for us what's our relation to the father and jesus says pray not just to the father but to our father there's there's an there's an implicit invitation an implicit characterization of of who the disciples are as they're asking him that question. Who we are as we come to him and ask that very same question. And there's an invitation there for us to find ourselves as children of God. Colossians goes on to say this. It said, The the Son is the image of the invisible God, God, um, God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. There's a call for us to find our identity, our nature, who you really are in Christ, in him. To find yourself, this is the way the Bible speaks of it, to find yourself a new creation, born of God. Baptism is the very thing that symbolizes that, a a, a new thing. Us not being our own, not being your own ideas of who you are, but being something so much more substantial. In one sense, as this word comes to us, initially, there's, there's a, a, perhaps a feeling, well, I, I don't even know who I am then. I don't even, I don't even know what I am. John, in his letter uh, of 1 John, says this in chapter 3, talking around this mystery. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Do you catch what John is saying there? He's saying that we are children of God. We are as the Son of God is in him. And yet we, it, there's a sense that we don't see it clearly yet. We don't fully understand the fullness of who he is. When we see him as he is, we will know who we are. Strange, right? And yet there's an invitation there now that the fullness that you do see of Christ at this very moment, all that you see of Him, for you to receive the Word from God, there is the child. There is who you are. Everything else that is not as He is, is not you. Everything that that you feel is a weight and a burden that, that, that separates you from God, is cleared. And the word over you is that as he is in this world, so too you are, which John says. Paul says it this way, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a little bit of a stepping into the unknown here. As, as we surrender ourselves, as we put ourselves on Christ, as we trust in God, what happens? We. We surrender ourselves. We we lose ourselves. You're not your own. You were bought. You no longer define who you are. And yet there is a definition. There is an identity of who you are that is being revealed and opening up to you. Not just opening up outside as if it's something that you're learning, but opening up in you the very reality of Christ, the Son of God in you. Therein lies the child of God, your right, your inheritance to all things, to ask the Father anything in that nature, in that name, and receive. You may feel an an inadequacy Yes, that's, that's wonderful of Christ, it's, it's, it's wonderful in theory, but I don't feel that to be who I am, the things that I desire, the things that I ask for, perhaps are not being fulfilled. And yet Jesus calls us not to look to the outward appearance and yet to put our faith on him. Christ is, is the gate He's he's the gatekeeper. He only sees in us what is Himself. Only Christ in us is the child of God because that's actually all of who you are. If you can believe that, if you receive that, that's the truth. You are nothing other than who He is in you, despite all appearances, despite what you may feel in this very moment. We're mistaken. We don't know who we are if we believe that what we are or who we are is anything other than Christ. Jesus says, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And it seems so contradictory to his nature, what what we might um, look and and, and see of him in in every context. And yet, this is the very thing that he is doing. This is the very reality of him in you. As he comes, he comes as a sword, a double-edged sword, to, to divide what even seems like it's one thing and reveal where Christ is, that you may know who you are. Christ in you. He comes to cut away everything that you think you are that is not actually who you are because it's not him living in you. The nature of the son, the very spirit, the root, God's seed remains in you not as a, a translator from the outside, not as someone who, who um, um, like that friend of mine, is this, this contact but, but remains on the outside, but the very life of Christ as your relation so that the relation to the Father is yours. The Father loves you and you know that love. There's confidence there as you come to the Father, because the Son is resident as our life. Recently, um, I was in Cambodia with a few of the interns, and uh, there's something about Cambodia that uh, probably you might know. It's, it's similar to a lot of third world countries, but you can't drink the tap water. Um, and that's a bit, it's a bit frustrating. So you're constantly thinking about, okay, how... Uh, Where, do I have enough water? Is there a place where I can buy good bottled water? And there's, um, it's so hard because then there's even like fake good bottled water and it's, it's so complex. It's so hard just for the most basic thing. But the one thing they do have, which is the most beautiful thing, beautiful picture actually, is incredible fruit. Their fruit is like, it's the best mangoes I've ever had. Um, even in the off season, just so juicy. Like it was almost just like drinking a smoothie when you're biting into a mango. So if you were ever thirsty and you couldn't, like the fruit's everywhere to buy. If you were ever thirsty and you couldn't find a good bottle of water, you could just eat, eat like buy a fruit and just eat a fruit. It was incredible. You know what's really interesting is that the tree that produced this fruit actually is taking up the very same water that, for me, would um, not be a good idea for various reasons. The same thing, and yet the tree can discern, can, can draw a line between what is good and for health and for life and what is discardable. It disappears. It, it separates it out. It filters it through. Jesus is the gate, and it's not something He does, um, you know, in the sky, like as if as if it it gets translated. Like, yeah, yeah, you're bad, but then you get translated, and then by the time it gets to the Father through Jesus, you know, through Jesus, Jesus sitting at the right hand, and then He whispers into the Father, and then and then and then it's all good. No, no, it's different. It's a nature. Jesus says, I am the gate, my sheep know my voice. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Ephesians 2.6, this is what Paul says. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's almost impossible to believe. And it's almost impossible to believe because it's so unattainable. There's nothing that you could ever do for this to be a reality in your own life, for you to make it a reality, unless it's given. And the very word of Christ to us is that's what is given. That is the reality for you. Prayer as a relation that the child would be resident in you as your life. Whatever you ask, whatever you pray, believe that you've received it. Who are you? This is an encouragement that John gives. This is what he says, 1 John 3, chapter... Sorry, 1 John chapter 3. Dear children... Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, If our hearts, this is important, do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. There's an incredible reality that God, your father, is wanting you to know. And yes, it's who he is. But as you know who he is, it's who you are his life, his son, alive in you as your very person. Nothing other than that. As that unfolds, as that opens up in you, as we continue in this prayer series, may that be where we start. Father, reveal to me, open my eyes to see your son, not as distant, but alive. Open my eyes to see your son in me. And then we will find that in that day, as Jesus says, you will ask in my name and I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Let's pray. Father, what a delight to say the very word, Father. And to know that your word to us, your very son to us, is reconciliation, is the opening up of your life in us. That to be a child is not just a status or something that we claim but it is true in reality in fact as John says and all that a child is is nothing other than everything that we see your son Jesus Christ to be stir up faith in our hearts to see you as you are May the life that we live now, that is your life in us, Christ in us, be lived by faith in your Son. And so we thank you. We come to you. Be glorified. Amen.